don't look back because the market is closed. Good Wednesday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Harridge here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. Hope you all had a great Wednesday out there today. It uh, it looked like it was going to be a little bit better of a day for the markets today, but we got a little bit of a sell-off into the last 20 minutes of trading that took all of our major indexes from being in the green, in the green across the board to red across the screen here. Still a relatively flat day overall, uh, but before that last sell-off into the close, it looked like we were going to see an interesting change of pace here today, and we still got a little bit of one really today as we got this morning a higher than expected PPI number, producer's price index from September with the print coming in up four tenths of 1% compared to estimates of two tenths of a 1% increase there. Uh, But as we've seen over the last uh, at least few months, if not six months or so, on days where we got any kind of inflation data, the market has reacted strongly to the downside on those days, whether it's PPI or the CPI or a good jobs number as well, the market has reacted strongly to the downside. So compared to those sessions, today might be a slight improvement, more so if we had finished positive. Uh, But then the question is, is this a sign of things to come? Is the market going to react slightly more favorably to this kind of data. It's certainly too soon to tell here, but tomorrow will be an important indicator because tomorrow we get the number that everyone is watching for here, the latest CPI data. That will come out tomorrow at 7.30 a.m. Eastern time, which estimates are for a four-tenths of 1% increase. That'd be a slight improvement from August print of of a six-tenth of 1% increase, still not great at all, and slightly higher than August if we get those numbers on a year-over-year basis. But both this print tomorrow and especially the market's reaction to it, because it's not the news that matters, it's the market's reaction to that news, this will be an important tell for what direction the market's going to go next. If you've been tuning in with here with us, you know our view. We've continued to look for a rally into the midterms, and frankly, we've been quite surprised that it hasn't already started. Uh, You know, we've talked about this so much between what the Federal Reserve does to manipulate markets and the unspoken of plunge protection team looking to protect the the Democratic Party's interests here, knowing that if we don't get a big rally into the midterms, it could be a really rough time for the Tims as we head into the midterms. Although, maybe they're starting to see just how crazy they are and they would like to see a red wave as well. You never know. But beyond just what the Fed is doing right now and beyond the midterms, as as we've talked about so much here as well, we're also entering not only the most seasonally bullish time of the year, the period from October to May, but we're also entering 
one of the most bullish time frames for the stock market period, which is the year following midterm election years. There's a plethora of data to back this up that after the midterms, the markets love getting off to the races from there. And, you know, there might be, and I'm sure there is, some correlation there to the fact that the markets love gridlock in DC and it typically comes after midterm years when very little can get done in Washington the market knows that we can at least work within these parameters and we're not going to have new rules new regulations foisted onto us going forward uh, so that is a got to be a big reason why the market tends to rally in midterm years but if you want to see all of that data i'm not going to dive into it here on the podcast again today we've done that so much uh, you can check out our september 30th blog post so not our most recent one the one right before it again september 30th blog post you can find it at kipherridge.com and we dive into a lot of it there on kipherridge.com as well but again a lot tomorrow a lot rides on this print tomorrow from the cpi data if we get a lower expected print, this market could really begin to take off, really even if it becomes if it comes in in line with expectations. Uh, and I say that because today we also got back the notes from the October FOMC meeting. It really didn't state much that we didn't already know. But of course, investors were looking for bright spots in there and you can call it wishful thinking and there certainly may have been some of that but after they came out today is when our market got a little bit of a pop as well and while the fed did state today in those minutes like they did in their last meeting that they expect to continue their more restrictive policy there also seemed to be a little bit of apprehension from some of the fed voting members to continue this tightening cycle and instead moving to a more wait and see approach, a maintenance role is kind of what they called it there uh, until they can see the effects of their current policy. That would go in line with what Jay Powell has said for a long time that they're data dependent. Uh, that certainly hasn't been the case so far, uh, but at least going to a maintenance role would make more sense in the short term here as Jeremy Siegel, Michael Berry, Kathy Wood, and, and us here from the beginning, really from even before the first rate hike, we've all pointed out that these data sets that Jay Powell and the Fed are looking at, like CPI and PPI, are lagging indicators. It doesn't tell you really what the effects are from their policy actions in real time. They are lagging indicators. And again, we said this, not, not to toot our own horn, but we said it long before it became a popular mainstream opinion. Go back, look at some of our updates, look at our podcast from earlier this year. We said it from the very beginning that if the Fed gets too aggressive here on this path of rate hikes, it would be another major policy error to attribute to Jay Powell's name and really what is a growing list of policy errors from the Federal Reserve as a whole. As I've talked about on, on my podcast many a times, the Fed loves to play this forward-looking game where they create these problems, right? And then they want to sell you 
the solution. Don't think about what we've done in the past. Just look about what we're going to do to fix this problem. They love to play that game. Hopefully people are starting to catch on here. And the reason why looking at these lagging data sets is so important and, and, and really maintaining their policy here instead of continuing to aggressively tighten their policy is that both to the accommodative side and to the restrictive side, the Fed's policy is not fully felt for at least six months, most of the time a full year for their policies to come into play in the actual market. So what they've done last month has some impact today, but very little compared to what it's going to have impact in the coming months. Again, that applies to both the upside and the downside. Uh, saw a lot of data on this coming out of coronavirus, talking about money supply and how that money doesn't find its way into the system for a full 12 months until after they stop. Now we've reached a point here where we're over 12 months away from the peak in M2, that's money supply. So now we should see the natural effects of inflation coming down. Don't let the Fed take credit for bringing down inflation by raising interest rates, when in reality, this was likely the natural cause and effect of the peak in money supply over 12 months ago here. Uh, but one comment in particular today from these notes, and the reason why I bring it up today, gave investors hope here. As the Fed minutes stated, this is a quote, several participants noted that particularly in the current highly uncertain global economic and financial environment, it would be important to calibrate the pace of further policy tightening with the aim of mitigating the risk of significant adverse effects on the economic outlook, end quote. That certainly has been the case. We've seen it from the, the talk of UK pension funds, European, the, the bank, oh man, the Bank of Japan, all of these central banks sit basically asking the Federal Reserve to pause here. So looking to tomorrow then, if the print does come in at least in line with expectations or below, and it begins to look like the Fed may pause after they are expected, and I would argue that the market has already priced in a 75 basis point hike in November, then this market could really start to get the traction that we've been looking for to the upside. The stock market is a discounting mechanism always. It's important to remember that when you're getting this bad economic data, when you have people like Jamie Dimon, uh, the corrupt individual that he is, uh, and others though, bringing out the doom and gloom, really, the doom and gloom forces are out in full effect right now. And it's always darkest just before the dawn. So as the market begins to anticipate what is going to come next in that November's rate hike could well be at least the last 75 basis point hike, if not a pause from the Fed from there, then this rally could get well underway by the time of the Fed's next meeting, which is now exactly three weeks away from today. Uh, but again, if the market begins to expect that they're going to pause from there, this market, this rally will be well underway 
by the time of their next meeting. Again, a lot depends on tomorrow. Be sure that you're signed up to receive our updates at vrainsider.com slash podcast. We'll be reporting on it here. But looking at our markets on the day today, it, uh, <laughs> it didn't seem that investors are expecting what I mentioned earlier as we got the sell-off into the close today to finish negative across the board here. Uh, seemed that the hopes disappeared just before the close, but we finished negative across the board, now making six down sessions in a row for both the NASDAQ and the S&P 500. NASDAQ, if you want to call it our leader, did lead the way down 0.09% to 10,417. And if I'm not mistaken, that is still above the lows that we just hit. Let's just get a double check on that one there. Yeah, even at the lows today, we stayed above the lows from yesterday. But what we don't, or what we didn't want to see today, especially, was the semis breaking below those lows. We had an inside day from the semis today, holding above the lows yesterday. Still finished down six tenths of one percent, leading to the downside is not what we want to see from the semis. But we've reached, as we pointed out to our members today, the bottom end of this descending channel here, which is marked. You know, going back to their peak, this has marked a great buying opportunity, even if you're just trading that channel here. So we're at oversold levels. This is about when really extreme on some metrics, uh, oversold levels. This is about when you would expect at least a rally here. Next up, the Dow Jones down one tenth of one percent to twenty nine thousand two hundred and ten. We were followed there by the small caps, which have been our only uh, group here able to remain above their June lows and still actually I just, you know, we're getting closer to them, but still six points away from those lows. So not, not awful. They're good to see them holding so far, but finished down three tenths of 1% to 1,687. And lastly, the S and P 500 down just over three tenths of 1% to 3,577. Looking at our internals on the day today, you got what what about what you would expect from a relatively flat day. We fluctuated, had some positive readings during the day, ultimately finishing to the downside, declining stocks, beating out advancing stocks on both the NYSE and the NASDAQ, although not by a ton. 52-week highs to lows were the weak spot here. We had a combined 1,064 stocks hitting 52-week lows to just 39 stocks hitting 52-week highs. And lastly here, volume was our one bright spot. And I say one because it was just the NASDAQ. NASDAQ volume came in positive on the day-to-day, but NYSE volume coming in slightly negative here. Looking at our sectors on the day-to-day, we finished with three out of our 11 S&P 500 sectors higher on the day. That was energy leading the way, followed by consumer staples and consumer discretionary. I will point out communication services were able to finish unchanged on the day. Our laggards were utilities, real estate, and industrials. And really quickly on the utilities note, it was really red across the board. We'd had the VIX finish lower today, but the reason why I brought this up, the 10-year yield also finished lower on the day-to-day, down almost a full 1%. And uh, interesting here that we're right up against this resistance level where the 10-year peaked out at the end of September. At, it peaked at a 3.99. So that 4% barrier seems to be a heavy resistance there. 
uh, really got right up against it today, reversed and finished lower. Could be a sign that that might be, might mark at least a maybe a double top from the 10-year yield. You know, our long-term view here that rates continue lower. Uh, I'm not saying that that's going to happen in the next three months, even six months. Long-term though, rates will continue lower. It's uh, it's really inevitable when you look at the debt levels uh, that we have in higher rates and how unsustainable they are in our debt-based economy. Finally for today, our VRA Commodity Watch. Gold now lower on the day today, but good to see gold miners were able to finish higher, up almost nine-tenths of 1% on the day. That's what you want to see, the miners leading the commodity. And we've also seen gold able to hold above its recent lows as well. Uh, gold now down 0.37% to $1,679 an ounce. Silver down bigger, 2.5% on the day, almost exactly at $19 an ounce right now. Copper also lower on the day by 1% to $3.42 a pound. And oil down 2.6% to $87.03 a barrel. Finally for today, we're going to end on a positive note here. Bitcoin, really the one area outside of individual names. And we had some ETFs finish positing, finishing positive as well. Obviously, energy did. Uh, biotechs did as well. And uh, as I mentioned, a couple of other sectors, but Bitcoin able to hang on to gains for the day, up 0.77% now to 19,147 a Bitcoin. Folks, that's all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time. We'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.